Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for an episode of ASHP's Practice Journeys, Career Pearls for Students. In this podcast series, you'll hear from pharmacists who work in various pharmacy practice settings to learn more about what a day in the life is like. You'll dive into careers you may have an interest in but never took the time to learn about, or you may even find out about a practice area you never knew existed. My name is Caitlin Williams, a fourth-year student pharmacist at the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy and ASHP Pharmacy Student Forum Executive Committee member. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Kathleen Chester. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. Kathleen, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your current position? Certainly. So my name is Kathleen Chester, but I go by Cat for short. And it turns out that I'm a cat that wears many hats. So I'm a clinical pharmacist specialist in neurocritical care at Grady Health System in Atlanta, Georgia. And I am also the residency program director for the PGY2 neurology program at our hospital. So real quick, the PGY2 Neurology Program is a unique program that we developed in 2017, and it's unique in that it's one of two programs in the country that are ASHP accredited, and it's the first of its kind that's within a hospital that has a level one trauma center and a comprehensive stroke center. And it also, we have a very high volume emergency department. And so all of that combined allows learners to have ample um, experiences with neurocritical care patients. So those are, um, you know, being a clinical pharmacist specialist in neurocritical care and then my director role, those are two major hats that I wear at work. But when I'm not at work, I wear a mom hat to two wonderful kids and a wife hat with my husband. But um, sometimes on the weekend, you'll see me not wearing a hat, but a motorcycle helmet when I am out riding my motorcycle because I know how important it is to uh, protect our brains. Absolutely. Safety first. Can you tell me a little bit about what the typical training requirements are like for a neurocritical care position? Yeah, so most hospitals are going to require neurocritical care pharmacists to have two years of residency training um, after they graduate pharmacy school. But there are some that might allow a more non-traditional pathway where you gain experience on the job before you're designated a neurocritical care pharmacist by title. So um, most neurocritical care pharmacists have completed a PGY2 critical care residency program, but there are some that have completed um, an emergency medicine program, for example. So that would be somewhat of a non-traditional route as well. And, you know, I'd mentioned earlier about the PGY2 neurology program. That's actually a more, a newer training program where we can train pharmacists into a neurocritical care role. In fact, three of our five residents that we've graduated so far are practicing as neurocritical care pharmacists. And um, in terms of board certification, it is often required by the hospital that you're working for, or at least strongly encouraged. And typically the board certification that a neurocritical care pharmacist would have is the BCCCP, which is board certification in critical care pharmacy. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely feel like neurology is one of those areas you don't often hear about for PGY2 training, but I think that that's a really good area of impact for pharmacy. Could you give us a little bit of background about your current practice site and your professional responsibilities as a neurocritical care pharmacist? I'd be happy to. So I've been practicing within the Marcus Stroke and Neuroscience Center at Grady since 2010 uh, when it opened. 
The Marcus Stroke and Neuroscience Center includes a large ambulatory clinic, and it also has numerous neuro subspecialty clinics like the Movement Disorders Clinic and a NeuroFarm Clinic. It also has a general neurology unit, intermediate care unit, and then the 28-bed neurocritical care unit. And what makes the center unique is that nested within that intermediate care unit and the ICU are two very busy neuroendovascular suites. And in these suites, the neurointerventionalists will do procedures like placing a stent or pulling out a clot or even putting in small coils into aneurysms so they can either prevent those aneurysms from rupturing or prevent um, bleeding if they've already ruptured. So what's nice is because of the proximity of these angio suites to the ICU, I get to work closely with that neurointerventional team. So it's not uncommon for me to pop pop down the hallway, pop in during a procedure to answer questions or to discuss some complex cases that they have coming up. So my primary responsibility though is for the 28-bed ICU. And we have patients that are flown in from all around the state and they get flown in for specifically for these emergent procedures that they're doing in the angio suites. And the majority of my patients are stroke patients. So that includes ischemic strokes and hemorrhagic strokes and subarachnoid hemorrhages as well. But we also take care of patients who have status epilepticus and brain tumors or central nervous system infections um, and even neuroautoimmune disorders like Guillain-Barre and myasthenia gravis. And we put meds, we put medications into people's brains to help them get better. So with that, um, my overall responsibilities are, first and foremost, I make sure that the medication use that we're doing um, up here in the, the Neuroscience Center is safe and effective. And I can do this in lots of different ways, but we typically think of um, a neurocritical care pharmacist, we're going to be um, participating in rounds every day. And I certainly do that. But the reality is there are some days when I can't be there on rounds because of conflicting priorities. So then I follow up with my team either before or after rounds and work up my patients, um, you know, before they round and before those other, you know, meetings or other priorities come up. Another way that I ensure safe and effective medication use is by participating in committees, um, writing protocols and policies, uh, keeping up with the latest evidence, and providing education, either formal or informal, to the providers, as well as engaging with bedside nurses and other disciplines that are involved in the care of the neurocritical care patients. So basically, in a nutshell, I take care of everything that involves medications, either directly or indirectly for the neurocritical care unit or the neurointerventional suite. Gotcha. Wow. It really sounds like a really, you know, robust um, role that you have there. Um, and a lot of these problems that come up are very, you know, time sensitive. And I'm sure having to shift around your priorities to make sure that everybody is getting your attention when they need it the most is something that you probably have to tackle on a daily basis. You know, thinking about the high acuity in a lot of these patients and, you know, how important it is to do a lot of these things, you know, for the betterment of their care, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? So the most rewarding part, hands down, is going to 
be seeing the patients get better. So as you can imagine in neurocritical care, the unfortunate side of things is that a lot of our patients, we do a lot of end of life care. So being able to transfer a patient out of the ICU to a lower level of care is always a win. But um, what's really neat is that within our um, neuroscience center, just down the hallway from the ICU are the ambulatory clinics. And it's so neat when we get a patient who's coming for a clinic visit, or even when they're not, sometimes they just come and visit us. They come back after their ICU stay to visit, and we can see how they're doing. And it's just so rewarding. I love it. It's pretty interesting because the patients look so much better when they're vertical instead of being horizontal in in the beds when we're taking care of them. And then just another aspect of uh, my job that I find very rewarding is working with uh, learners. When you have a learner and you're explaining a difficult concept and all of a sudden you they, they have that aha moment and that light bulb goes off, um, that's also just another really rewarding part of my job. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like there's a theme with forward progression, whether that's in your patients or with your learners. Um, it's always good to kind of see that that progression in the people around you. What would you say are some unique challenges presented to you while in your job? Yeah, so um, neuro is really an exciting field right now. It's growing exponentially. And that's reflected in the amount of data and literature that's being published every day. So keeping up with the literature is challenging, but it's something, you know, within this realm that we have to do in order to, you know, provide the best care to our patients. And so while one might think that we just have to keep up with neurocritical care literature, that's not necessarily the case because we have to keep up with critical, like general critical care literature, neurosurgery literature, stroke literature, and it comes from all directions. And a lot of what we're seeing right now, um, a lot of the big trials are practice changing. Um, so being ahead of that and being on the forefront, keeping up with it is very important. And then uh, one other uh, unique challenge that I think of is that when our patients come to us, oftentimes because of their brain injury, they're not able to communicate with us. Or sometimes we don't even, you know, know their name. There's no family with them. They were just found down. That makes things very difficult for us when we're trying to figure out their past medical history, what medications were they taking. And so we have to be somewhat of a detective and sometimes find creative ways to figure out who is this patient. And that's um, part of the role of our, uh, you know, case managers and social workers, but also, you know, what do I need to know? Trying to figure out what medications and history you need to know in order to manage the patient in the ICU. One of the things we can do if we have a patient's name is to search the PDMP, um, so the prescription drug manager, um, and we can find if they've had a fill of a controlled substance, and then that will link to a pharmacy. And if we're lucky, we can call the pharmacy, and that's where they normally fill prescriptions at, and we can get a full medication history. But creative ways like that to try and identify patient information is used in that type of a challenging situation. Yeah, I can definitely see a pharmacy playing detective in a lot of roles. Um, and I'm sure that that's, you know, tricky balancing that and the, the ongoing literature on top of all of your daily responsibilities. But like you said, it's important to make sure that you're up to date on the best methods of patient care. Are there any common misconceptions about your role? Well, uh, there's a maybe a couple I can think of. Um, one is that 
as a neurocritical care pharmacist, one might think that I that most of the patients I take care of are older adults. But in fact, that's not true at all. Um, what we're seeing is that more younger patients are experiencing stroke um, for various different reasons. And so sometimes when I look at my patient census, I find that uh, most of the patients are actually under the age of 50 or under the age of 65. And then something else I think of, uh, another perhaps misconception is that, um, that we primarily only work with one team, so one neurocritical care service. But our role actually extends beyond that. As I mentioned, I work very closely with the neurointerventional team, but neurosurgery services and teams, they play a huge role up here in our patients as well. So I work closely with the neurosurgery service. And then there are also services like uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation, palliative care, um, and uh, other services where we interact very closely with them on a regular basis. Wow. Yeah. I definitely didn't know how young the patient population could be um, for neurology patients and the the breadth of types of responsibilities you could have in those different areas. I think we've got time for one more question. What advice do you have for a pharmacy student who might be interested in a job like yours? Yeah, so I definitely say connect with mentors in the field. So find a mentor either at your college of pharmacy or on rotation or within a professional organization. The Neurocritical Care Society has a tight-knit and very active pharmacy section, and they have resources that could help you on your journey. And you can also look for opportunities that, um, that they may have available in the field to get you some exposure and so that you get noticed when you're applying for residency programs. I think it definitely shows your interest and your commitment in the field when you've already had exposure and pursued some of those opportunities within your area of interest. So... Another thing you can think of is if you're assigned a project on rotation, depending on what the rotation is, perhaps you could choose a neurocritical care topic, and that just helps you get more exposure um, to neurocritical care pharmacy. So I'm not necessarily saying that everything you have to do or everything that you do needs to be within neurocritical care. You definitely want some well-rounded experiences, but it certainly doesn't hurt to get some additional exposure through those means. And um, even if you can't... um, you know, find a formal mentor that you're meeting with regularly, uh, definitely connect with us in the field and, you know, reach out to us, just ask some questions and, and get some guidance for your career. Absolutely. I think it's vital for pharmacy students to try to squeeze that orange as much as possible, if you will, and get the most out of all of the experiences that we are, are faced with. Well, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank Dr. Kathleen Chester for joining us today and sharing their story. Join us here at ASHP Official and the Practice Journeys Career Pearls for Student podcast series as we continue to explore different careers and practice settings. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.